I am Andrea Butcher, and this is Being at Work. Being a leader is hard. So on this show, I set out to talk with experienced leaders to learn from their pivotal moments, how they led through the challenges we can all relate to but are often unheard. Today's Being at Work guest is Doug Bowen, president at Bowen Engineering Corporation. Doug has literally grown up in the business as his parents started the company in 1967. After graduating from Purdue, he worked for a general contractor in California for a few years before moving home and joining Bowen as a field engineer. He served as president of the organization for 13 years now and leads from the philosophy, you have got to take care of your people. If you do that consistently over time, you're going to grow. Doug is clearly a values-based leader who builds trust through constant communication. That came up over and over throughout our conversation. His vulnerability shines through as he emotionally talks about how his values play out with the team members he cares so much about. Check it out. You know, I think it's, it's probably been my life from day one. My parents, when my dad graduated from Purdue in 1962, it was kind of a lean uh, job market. And one of the companies that would interview at Purdue every year was based out in California. The founder of that company, he graduated from Purdue in like 1910. And so subsequently, his kids went to Purdue and continued to always interview at Purdue. And to this day, they still are very active at Purdue, even though they're located out in Fresno, California. And so uh, at the time, uh, my folks packed up everything they had and drove out to California. And uh, the company out there, uh, Lyles Construction, one of the key things that they did to retain good employees was they uh, offered stock to their employees. And I would not be here talking to you today if my parents hadn't been able to really take advantage of that amazing opportunity. Fast forward, that was in 1962 and 1967. You know, they ended up coming back and, and starting the company here in Indianapolis. And one of the first things that they established was that, you know, once they hired on folks, uh, they absolutely wanted to implement uh, shared ownership in the company moving forward. And so I think that was really kind of where my dad got the, got the idea. And you know what? For the most part, we still operate the same way today. Uh, we're a sub-S corporation. We have about 85 shareholders, and between my dad and I and one of my siblings, we own probably 60% of the company. So 40% of the of the company is owned by uh, you know, roughly 80 employees. So typically what we will say to our clients is that it doesn't matter where your project's located or what the scope of the work is, odds are you're going to probably have you know one or two owners in this company on your job site making decisions as an owner of this company. They're hopefully going to be able to balance the short term and the long term. We want to do a good job for the clients so that they'll want to continue to have us back. And we feel like the ownership piece certainly uh, changes the inputs that go into the decision that they're going to make. How does that play out? Well, like an example would be, you know, maybe there's a big change in scope on the project. Well, you know, do we want to, and we may be totally entitled to, you know, do we stick it to them and, you know, we're going to death to to get that change order or the, a really good customer, a longtime customer, a repeat customer, we may reevaluate 
what is the right answer? And maybe it isn't trying to get everything we possibly can, but maybe it's, you know what, we need to, we need to balance the short term and the long because we want to be there for that next project. And every, we want to try to create an outcome where everybody wins. Yeah. And that just, that creates a very different decision-making mindset, doesn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about for your business, Doug, like the superintendent on the job site as an owner of the company and the impact that that has on the decisions that he or she makes every day. Absolutely. Even down to, you know what, they might be in a company vehicle. Are they going to treat that company vehicle a little bit differently because they know, Hey, I got a, I got some skin in the game here. Just every, every, every aspect of Every day that they're here, we believe that it, it makes a difference. Yeah, a lot of organizations talk about creating an owner an owner mentality, and you've done that. You've you've created a system in which you can engage employees in that way. Correct. And then I guess one other thing that you know I think is really worth sharing. So we've always uh, believed in training and investing and in, in trying to educate our employees and. A good friend of mine, Dave Lindsay, you know, he started was the founder of Defender Direct. And, you know, he always talk about they were a very fast growth organization. And he said, you know, companies don't grow. If you grow the people, they will grow and the company will grow as a result. We conducted a leadership challenge. Oh, it's probably been over 10 years ago. And we did we did three three rotations of it. I think we're ready for another leadership challenge, but it was basically uh, utilizing the, the format of uh, Coons and Posner. They have a, a book and a program called the Leadership Challenge. And if there was one thing that I will never, ever forget was so powerful to me in that whole leadership challenge is that the number one thing that employees are looking for in a leader is somebody they trust. That's the number one thing they're looking for. They don't care how smart you are. They don't care what you look like. They really care about, can I trust this person? Are they consistent? And, you know, can I trust that whatever decision they're making in my absence, that they're making a decision that's in my best interest as an employee? And so, when you know, you made that reference. You know, good leaders have to create a following. Well, people will follow somebody they trust. That's probably a really good place for any of us to start is get the person in the mirror and ask yourself, do I create a following? Do people follow me? Or do I have a tendency to come up with great ideas and everybody's excited and then, you know, it kind of falls off. And the next thing I know, I'm kind of out here on an island trying to do something because I'm willing to follow me. And I think examples of people that, are trustworthy and people that aren't. And you can kind of see the corresponding connectivity or lack of connectivity that uh, they typically have with their teams. Yeah, you can feel it. That's in the culture for certain. I mean, just take everything that's going on in our society right now related to the COVID-19 situation. I mean, we're seeing daily examples of leaders everywhere, lots of different industries and you know, public leadership to privately held companies. And I mean, I think all you have to do is watch the news and you'll see really, really glaring examples of both good and maybe not so good leaders. The whole time, every one of us is watching any of this coverage. That's what we're thinking. That's what we're doing in our brains as we're calibrating. Do I trust what this person is saying or not? Isn't that true? 
Well, in the case studies that are going to come out of this, where yeah, we're seeing leadership in action, and as you said, both good and not so good. <laughs> yeah, and and you know what, the, these situations they don't create character. I think they really just reveal the character. Well, you know, Kuzis and Posner in Challenge the Process talk about adversity introducing us to ourselves. That's it. Isn't that the same concept? Yeah, that these. It's, it's in the moments of challenge when we really see who we are as a leader. Okay, am I, am I going to, all these values that I've been espousing, am I going to demonstrate these values now when the moment is critical? Am I going to step into it? Yeah, you know, and they, uh, those, those researchers, Kuzis and Posner that you referenced, they also talk about uh, leadership is, is about behavior, it's not about personality or style, as you said, and which gets to your point about starting with trust building. And so really taking time to focus on the relationship and building trust and that strong foundation. What are some behaviors, Doug, that you see are, are really important in that regard? Well, when you talk about behavior, I mean, you're absolutely correct. I mean, first and foremost, you know, we can all talk a good game, but I mean, do we actually practice? Just little things like, you know, we, every department in our company has a morning huddle every day, everywhere in the company. It doesn't matter if you're at a job site or you work in the kind department. We all, every team has a morning huddle. And one of my goals, this is something that's come out of part of our ongoing, never ending strategic planning. And we did a cultural survey. That's probably been 18 months ago. And, you know, I'm sure like most leaders, you get these survey results back and, you know, you always flip back to the last section where it has all the critical comments. I mean, no one's worried about all the things that everybody loves about working here because we already know that. focused on, you know, where what what do the employees really want? And the the overwhelming common theme that seemed to really bubble up. And I want to also preface. I mean, we do this every twenty four months, so you know the. The gap hopefully is closing, but you know, you—it's always something new that we're trying to work on. So this communication piece really came up, and so I think as a result of that, you know, really diving into well, how can we do a better job of communicating with all of our employees? They what's going on. So there were a couple things. Number one, started doing a weekly update that's company wide, so it's. You know, we, we open it up to anybody in the company. If you want to send information in about your projects, you know, drone videos, pictures, maybe you had a really neat accomplishment or milestone this week. So, you know, we've done that. We talk about here are the jobs we bid, here are the jobs we've won. You know, there might be some, you know, updates from, you know, the benefits committee or, you know, different things trying to be like one stop point of information if you just want to check in once and kind of get a quick state of the union. So that was one thing we did. It was relatively easy to implement. We put the person in charge of it. She's in the marketing group. And I think that's been effective. One of the other things we talked about was how can we as senior leadership, when you talk about behaviors, how can we be provide a better example of really truly showing the commitment that we have to better communication. So we all have a, a matrix and it's my goal that I want to participate in every group around the company. I want to participate in at least 
one daily huddle a quarter. And, you know, I think we've got probably 40 to 45 different morning huddles taking place. Oh, wow. So it's a lot of communication. Yeah. And I think, you know, they're excited to see me or one of the senior executives go in there because that shows to them from a behavior perspective that, yeah, they really do care. Well, and in the lack, when there's lack of communication, we naturally will fill in the gaps with our own assumptions, our own understanding. and Oh, yeah. And it's usually not good. It's bad. It's negative. The like right now, when you, you take this COVID situation, I mean, it's, it's really a, a fine line because you want to communicate what's going on, but there's not a lot of certainty either. So how do you tell the truth and, you know, not put an expectation out there that, you know, you don't have any idea whether it's actually going to become true or not? Well, that's why I think this is a time for vulnerability and awkwardness. We have to give ourselves a lot of grace. I was just emailing with a coaching client about that because he said, hey, I just wanted to reach out and get your thoughts on something. We've not had a team meeting since this has all happened and we've all been working from home and I'm connecting with people one-on-one, but what are your thoughts? And so as a good coach does, I came back with a question like, well, what are your thoughts? You're posing the question to me, so you must have some thoughts on it. And we had an email exchange and he said, you know, they're all heads down. They've got a lot of work to do. And, and I said, yeah, but by, and, and he said what you said, Doug, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Well, tell them that. Just get them together and have a conversation. Yeah. So our senior team gets together every morning at 10 o'clock and we just talk about, you know, what things have changed in the last 24 hours. You know, I'm pretty confident that, you know, we'll, we'll come through that and, be ready in the morning to talk about, you know, hey, maybe there are some changes coming that we need to really be prepared for. But I think as part of that, I think we've been getting together now for almost three weeks every morning. You know, one of the one of the team members said, hey, Doug, I think it would be great if, you know, you just did like a 60 second video from your desk. Just be yourself. You know, give them a quick update. And I mean, it has been amazing. The feedback that I've been getting from people all over the place like, hey, Thank you so much. I mean, it means the world to know that you really care and couldn't be happier to be a part of this. And a couple guys, hey, you know what? We're, we're playing that video in the morning huddle on Monday morning. And it just really provides a lot of comfort to our teams to know that, you know, this is on the forefront of your concern and focus every day. And yeah, you don't know all the answers, but you're, you're doing everything you can to advocate for us. Yeah. So when it comes to so when it comes to trust building behaviors, I hear a lot of communication in the examples that you're providing. And I know, Doug, that you are, and it's clear to our listeners, even in the 15 minutes that you've been sharing, that you are certainly a values-based leader. You've got some, you know, some clear philosophies around leadership that play out in the work that you do and how you treat people and I know there's a pivotal moment within your career that that really brought the core values to light for you and decisions having to be made that were aligned with your core values. So tell us a little bit about that. I think for me, probably a couple things. I mean, going out to California, that that was certainly getting out of my comfort zone. And I had a boss out there that asked me to do some things that, in my opinion, were just very unethical. And when I think about the core values at Bowen, you know, we, we, we talk about 
excellent in ethical business practices, honesty and integrity, professionalism. And, you know, I think a lot of these core values were core values that, again, my mom and dad started the company. So I kind of in this household. I mean, it just it, it, it seemed natural to me. And when my uh, my boss out there asked me to do something that just absolutely was not right in any way, it was, you know, I think pretty close to lunchtime. And I just I had this like cold chill come over me. And this was before cell phones. I drove to a pay phone at a gas station and I called the guy that had hired me back at the corporate office. And I said, hey, I've been asked to do something that is just not right. And I'm not going to do it. So I'm not going to continue to work for this guy. And if you want to fire me, that's perfectly fine. I understand, but I'm, I'm not going to continue to work with this gentleman. And I don't think I'd ever been more scared in my life. I, mean, I was shaking like a leaf on a tree. I probably practically hyperventilating when I called the guy because I was just so scared. But, you know, here I was 26 years old out in Northern California. And I had no idea if I was going to have enough money to pay the rent next week, but I couldn't be dishonest with myself. And I knew, I knew what the right path was, regardless of the, the consequences on the side. And he said, well, I understand. He said, come on back. Don't worry. We'll reassign you. And, you know, I think when I left, we left Indianapolis, I thought engineering was more screwed up than Channel 4 and out here and I'm never coming back. And, well, I'll tell you what, 24 months later, I had a totally different, totally different thought of I had this ideal mind. You know, we all, when it, the more experience you get, the less ideal you become. You, you temper the ideal, what it is you really want to do with, you know, I understand how things get done. And so then, you kind of synthesize what is the the best sustainable way to do whatever it is we're trying to do. That experience out there taught me that never never be dishonest with yourself. And if you do that, it's just not gonna it's not gonna be sustainable, and it's not gonna get you where you want to go. And so we talk about here at Bowen that the people that really thrive here and do well are people that are hungry, humble, and smart. And if you have an ego, you really don't fit here because we're team players. And I think everybody's really gravitated to this reality that, you know, we all bring a gift to the team. You have to sacrifice a little bit of yourself for the betterment of the team. But once you, you know, get get into that team and the team starts doing amazing things, it becomes really addictive. So I think that was a big one for me. The second one was when we came back from California, you know, it's probably 2000. And up to that point, I came back. I mean, I had five or six, you know, winning projects in a row and had a little chip on my shoulder. And then I ended up having a, a horrible project. It was up in Lebanon, Indiana. And uh, I think the bid on the job was like four and a half million bucks. And I think we had half a million dollars in profit. And I think we, we ended up spending probably close to seven million bucks to build the job. Say so we didn't make any money. And I was, I was really kind of at a crossroads. I didn't, where do I go from here? Everybody in the company is looking at the owner's kid. That shark, maybe he is a big dummy. And I remember talking to my dad about it. And he said, well, he said, let me ask you this. If you could do it all over again, would you do anything different? And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, just grab a, a notepad and just, it's purely for that job. And he said, Right now, it might be tomorrow, it might be in a couple of weeks, but just jot down. What are the things you would do different if you could do it all over again? 
And I can tell you that to this day, I still have that notebook and I still add things to it. And that was 20 years ago. So constant, constantly learning, right? Constantly learning from your experiences. And his point was, hey, if this job would have gone well, you wouldn't have learned near as much. You learned. He said the most important thing you can learn in all this is once you make that list, try not to make the same mistakes twice. I mean, you're, you're going to. That's the nature of anything. I mean, if you're not making mistakes, you're not, you're not doing anything. So, you know, you have, to, you have to make it safe for people to make mistakes. It's make the same ones repeatedly over and over again. How does that play out at Bowen, making it safe for people to make mistakes? So this is probably, I mean, it's a great question. One of the things I put on my list was we talk about pre-planning. So the superintendent, the project manager, some of the key foremen, they'll get together for you know a couple of weeks, a month, maybe, depending on how big and complex the project is. And they'll go through and they'll They'll, they'll try to map out the job as best they can. They want to get all the long lead material items ordered. And I mean, they're trying to do all the things and kind of triage the job into phases. And we would do a great job with that. And then, you know, that was kind of it. It's like, okay, good luck. We'll see you when you get back. I think in my mind, you know, I kind of came to this realization that in the type of construction we do, when you're about a third of the way through your labor spend, that's a pretty good point to check in on the job because you're far enough along in the job that you know you know what you got you know where you are you know what all the variables are in the project you've got enough of a experiential database now you know we're about a third end you know you may be achieving the the productivity you want or you may not be but what we found is that at 30% it's not too late to change the trajectory. So of course, a little bit, you know, maybe we can evaluate what's going on and maybe there's some inputs we can change. Maybe we need to, you know, send in a, another person that might be able to help or a lot of the outside executive, different folks from different parts of the company will come in to that 30% review. So now all of a sudden you've got five or 10 additional folks there that aren't there every day that have seen a lot in their life. And, you know, they can take it all in and then make some little small correcting moves. And if it's a really complicated job or a project we feel like we have a lot of risk on, we may even do a 50 or a 70 or 90% review. And, you know, we just kind of season it to taste. But again, it, the common theme is communication. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps coming back to that, doesn't it? Yeah. And if you can create an atmosphere, I mean, most people and lied and screwed and cheated their whole lives. So they don't trust anybody. If you can create a culture where people trust what it is you're trying to do, they'll they'll do anything for you. And that's when the real that's when the real nuggets come out is when you're in these tough times and people trust that they've got a team around them that's like a big safety net. We're not going to let you fail on your own. If we fail, we're all going to fail together. Yeah, it definitely is a we're in this together attitude. When we win, I want everybody else to get all the credit. Let me be the first one to take a bullet. We may have to, you know, evaluate what happened, but I want to be the first one. I own it and let me own the bad stuff. But the good stuff, we really want them to get the recognition and the credit for doing the amazing things they do. Yeah, because that's going to have a huge impact on how they show up with your customers, 
with other team members. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, there's definitely this, there's a thing over and over, there's a theme of building trust through constant communication and just all the ways you're doing that. You, you talked a lot earlier about the huddles, the weekly updates, the, uh, the videos that you're putting out right now. What are other communication mechanisms at Bowen? I mean, that, that weekly communication is a big one. Uh, we have a quarterly town hall. You know, we'll do a webcast. I mean, a lot of our people are not here in central Indiana. So we'll, we'll do a, a webcast and we'll even record it so that some people can, you know, watch it when they're, they might be working or whatever. And I think that, um, you know, that's been positive. I mean, we try to give everybody an update of, you know, where we are, what are some of the challenges we're working through. And, uh, our senior team's really taken the, the heavy load on that. I usually cover the tail part of it and I spend all my time talking about things that our employees have done, you know, every day doing their job. And we'll get letters from neighbors. Hey, so-and-so came over and, you know, checked on me when they were doing this project going down our street. And, you know, my husband had heat stroke on the back porch and one of your gentlemen came over and, you know, recognized something wasn't right and helped me get the paramedics to come pick them up. We had another project where we were working on a dam spill overflow and, a guy was out fishing with his waders, uh, got sucked under the water, and one of our carpenters ran out there and pulled the guy out of the river. I love sharing those stories because I think it really drives home one of our core values. And I'm sorry, I get emotional because it means so much. And one of our core values is genuine concern for other people. And I just, I hear about these things that our employees do every day, and it just, it humbles me so much to know that it's more than a paycheck. This is how people live their lives every day. And it just makes me so proud to know that we, we really do try to make this a better place every day. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's way more than a business, right? It's a place for people to come and live out their way, live out their lives and be better humans. Thank you for creating an organization that that stands for something so purposeful and meaningful and that you care so much about people because that's what it's all about at the end of the day. And that's why we're here. It really is. And I'll tell you, it's the communication is a lot of work. I don't want to make it sound like it's easy. I mean, this has been evolving for the last five or six years, but I will say if, if, if you put the work in and you have the discipline to, it, you know, inch by inch is a sense. Just try little things and, you know, they build on each other. But man, when, when you get there, it is so much fun, more fun, so much more enjoyable. It's just a blast. I mean, it never feels like work. Most of us joke about how the alarm clock never wakes us up. That's so good. I'm, I'm glad you said it's a lot of work, you know, because it takes intentionality. It's easy to get hooked by other things. And I think the hardest part for me, and I guarantee a lot of other leaders probably have the same challenge. You know, I wasn't a straight A student. I was your B minus student. And I've got a very, you know, active prefrontal lobe. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, a creative thinker. But, you know, I think I've learned over time that you know, that, can, that can be at the expense of trust. And so it does take a disciplined approach because it's hard for me to, you know, really dive into some of the 
you know, like I've got to do this. It's tactical. It's that's where I naturally want to be. So it's definitely an adaption. And there might be some people listening that are like, well, I don't know if I can ever do it. And I would just encourage you try. It's not that you have, I mean, I'm doing these little videos. I got news for you. I'll never be in Hollywood. Camera, but that's okay. Like you said to the other gentleman, just be authentic. You know, the fact that I'm probably not really smooth on it, just it drives even more trust because they know like, wow, that's not easy for me. It's a lot of work. Your humanity is showing just like everyone else's. And those are the kinds of things that build trust. Like you getting emotional a moment ago, like shows how much you genuinely care about the culture that you're creating. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a good podcast episode when you laugh and you are moved to tears. So Doug, thank you so much for sharing. My, my key takeaways are in you know, building a culture of trust starts with communication. And so looking at what are all the ways in which we're creating connection, communication opportunities for our team members. And it's constant. It does take work. It's easy to get distracted but leaders can put systems in place to ensure that they're regularly communicating like you've done. If our listeners want to connect with you, Doug, what's the best way to do that? Uh, just track me down. I'm here at Bowen and my door is always open. Great. You're also on LinkedIn so they could connect with you there as well. Yep. That'd probably be the best. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.